For over 40 years, Pastor Bruce Wall has been serving the church and the community of Greater Boston. In 1993, he accepted the call to pastor the historic Dorchester Temple Baptist Church, which he has served for over 20 years and transformed into Global Ministries Christian Church, which he now co-pastors with his wife, Karen. So the mission statement of Global Ministries Christian Church was that we wanted to reach the lost for Christ, and we're trying to create a Christian community where believers can heal, mature, which means grow up in their faith, and walk as whole men and women. Um, we said that we wanted to have a gang-free, drug-free, and crime-free, which means that we have to do more than just preach here at Global Ministries. We have to go into the neighborhood, walk the neighborhood, and be in the neighborhood, and reach people for Christ right where they are. In recent years, Pastor Bruce has founded Boston Praise Radio and TV, providing an evangelical voice to and for the black community in Boston and beyond. The ministry partnership between Grace Chapel and Global Ministries had its beginnings back in 1983. Well, good morning, Grace Chapel, Lexington, Wilmington, East Lexington, and Watertown. Great to be with all of you. And I'm happy to be standing here with my friend and ministry partner, Pastor Bruce, who you just heard about. And even though the partnership between our churches goes back a long way, uh, in recent years we've not talked a lot about the history of it, so I just thought for a few moments before Pastor Bruce gets started here, we might just catch up with him a little bit. So Pastor Bruce, uh, there are folks here who have known you for a long time and your family. Just bring us a quick family update on how everybody's doing these days. My wife has just finished writing her first book, and she is in the process of having it published. Uh, my oldest son last year graduated from college, and this year he moved out of the house. <laughs> my middle son will be moving out the 20th of this month. <laughs> and my youngest daughter, my daughter, um, graduated from college, and she's trying to figure out the next steps. Okay, very good. So you're coming up to a new season of life new then? New season, yeah. Okay, enjoy it. You will. Um, tell us a little bit again about the history. Uh, we said here it goes back to 1983, but tell us a little bit about how that's all happened over the years. Right. Years ago, when I was the youth pastor at 12th Baptist Church in Roxbury, we were having community meetings to talk about the, the drug problem in our neighborhood, to talk about cleaning the neighborhood, and members from Grace Chapel would actually come into the city be a part of the meetings and work with us. And we once had a march against crime and members of Grace Chapel showed up at the site and marched with us. It started way back in 1983. And then you also have spoken about trips to Tennessee, uh, again, a couple decades ago when there were troubles in that part of the country. Right, it was amazing. Uh, the uh, black churches were actually being burnt to the ground in, in Tennessee. So Grace Chapel, Global Ministries came together. We prayed about it. We traveled to Tennessee three separate times, spent a week there each time, and we helped to rebuild those churches. Our relationships were cemented as a result of something like that. That's great. I think it's so important that we all, that's worth celebrating. 
I think it's important we all understand that uh, these conversations we've been having lately, our partnership, this is, this is not a new thing for Grace Chapel. This is not political correctness. This is not anybody's political or social agenda. This is not keeping up with what's trending in the church world today. This is not reaction to things happening in our country all of a sudden. This has been a long-standing commitment and heart, not just of Grace Chapel leadership, but the Grace Chapel congregation to want to be connected with brothers and sisters in Christ of color all across the city of Boston. And so we're grateful, Pastor Bruce, that you and your congregation have allowed us the freedom to do that. Uh, one last thought, just to catch us up. Uh, you have recently begun a, a new branch of ministry, uh, ventured into the world of radio and TV. And can you tell us a little bit about that ministry and what prompted you to go after that? Well, we happen to be the first church in, in Boston to have an FCC um, licensed FM radio station operating out of our church. That's kind of exciting. And it happened when someone told us about an application process. There were three of us who went after the license, and we decided, rather than saying only one of us were going to have the license and the other two were going to, were going to be dismissed, we came together and we're sharing the station. It's 102.9 FM radio, and you can hear it primarily in the Boston area. Okay, 102.9. 102.9. 102.9, yes. <laughs> We have this thing in Boston, every time someone says zero or, or O, they always correct us, so. <laughs> Different cultures, we don't always understand each other, you know, just, anyway. Uh, you should know, Pastor Bruce has also been very instrumental in helping us and a few other pastors to found the Greater Things for Greater Boston Church Network. It's a network of missional, multicultural churches across the city with a heart for the city, and Pastor Bruce's leadership has been very uh, significant in helping us get that off the ground. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Bruce is not afraid to call government and civic leaders accountable for their God-given responsibility to bring peace and order to a community. He is not afraid to face down drug dealers and gang leaders in his own neighborhood to help it become more safe. He is not afraid to call pastors and leaders from a variety of communities and races together to have meaningful conversation and partnership and ministry. And he is not afraid to bring God's word to God's people, which is what he's going to do now. So let's welcome Bruce as he brings the word to us. Father, we're praying today that you will continue to have your way in this church and all of the campuses. And I pray, Father, that you will bless the teaching on this morning and that you would help us to listen to the Spirit of God moving in and through our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and we all say amen. Well, it's great for us to be gathered together today. And Mine is the responsibility to bring the word of God on this Sunday to a body of believers scattered throughout New England and all over the world. Uh, greetings to all of the campuses that are hungry for the word and the moving of the spirit of God. There is so much going on in our country and so much going on in our world. And I do not have to highlight any of these incidences. You can read about them in, in newspapers and listen to it on radio and watch it on TV. People are talking about it. It's all over the news. And in the words of Chris Lydon of the open source radio broadcast on WBUR FM radio, our country has had a breakdown.
as a Christian believer, I see what is going on and I'm looking into the scripture, pleading and asking God, God, help me, help the church to understand what's going on. And in light of all of this, we are called to be salt. And so let me read that text to you, salt and light, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I want to be salt in Dorchester. I want to be salt in my country. I want to be a preservative. I want to have influence all over the world for Christ. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As you see what God is doing in and through me, as you see what God is doing in and through other Christian believers, you want God to get the glory for what's happening through your life. We have an election coming up in a few months. We have unrest in city streets, and people are once again polarizing and moving into different camps. That hurts me to see that. I do not know about you, but I have determined to pray about this and ask God, what does your word say about the body of Christ in the midst of this turmoil? I believe that we are to find a way for the body of Christ, although with different opinions, we have different opinions from time to time, but even though we have different opinions, we can still be one in Christ. How can we be one? Last week, I asked Pastor Bryant to join me, an African-American pastor, and Jua, Pastor Jua Robinson, another African-American pastor, on the radio to have a discussion about race. Can I be honest with you? I had a lot of anxiety putting the questions together to pose to Pastor Jua and Pastor Bryant. I did. I had a little anxiety when I was waiting for them to show up because I was sitting at the microphone and I'm saying to myself, with this anxiety, I asked myself the question, do the three of us have enough history with each other to have an open and honest and frank discussion about race in America? And then I asked myself, what would happen if Pastor Bryant and I got into a fight on the radio? <laughs> I mean, he may be tall, he may be muscular, but we have a karate school in my church, so. <laughs> what will others say about the discussion when they listen to it on the radio and they watch it on television? Do you know what brought me through what I was feeling? Knowing that Grace Chapel and Global Ministries, we have a 33-year partnership and relationship that has survived ups and survived downs. In 1983, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, a young lady came into the church and she said to me, Pastor, they are selling drugs in the store next to the church. 
next to the church. She said, you preach a pretty good faith message in the pulpit. She said, but why don't you take it outside? That's what happens when young people believe in what God is putting in your mouth to preach from the pulpit. And so we decided we would organize a march and we were going to march against crime in Roxbury, Dorchester, and Mattapan. And we decided 35 of us assembled at the Dudley Street MBTA station and we were going to march six to seven miles to Grove Hall. And when we arrived at Dudley Station, again, I was at 12th Baptist Church in Roxbury as a youth pastor at the time, I saw all these white people walking in our direction. And I said, oh, they're from Grace. So Grace Chapel showed up. And there's one thing I didn't tell the people from Grace before they came, uh, that somebody had threatened me and said that if I chose to walk from Dudley Station to try to go to Grove Hall, that somebody was going to shoot me on the way. But when people heard that, by the time we arrived in Grove Hall, there were 500 people who had joined the march. <laughs> 33 years of a partnership working together. Our partnership has lasted. The world is watching our partnership. The people throughout the state are watching our partnership. People in the city are looking at our partnership. People want to know, how can a suburban and urban church work together all these years? John 17 speaks to it, and that's where I want to land my plane today. John chapter 17 speaks about what the church should be doing as our nation is polarizing politically and racially. And in the life application commentary, if I can just read this for you, it says about today's passage, John chapter 17. I, I, I see you opening it. That's great. Okay, I hear the, the, the Bible's opening. Great. You're looking at your computers. <laughs> John chapter 17 contains Jesus' great intercessory prayer. It is not a prayer of agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, but an open conversation with the Father about his followers. This prayer expresses the deepest desire of Jesus' heart for his return to the Father and for the destiny of his chosen ones. Jesus asked the Father to grant the believers the same kind of unity that he and the Father enjoyed from eternity, a unity of love. God, in the, in the midst of all that's going on in our country, in the midst of all that's going on in our world, Father, make us one. One in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, 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 amen. So let's start with John chapter 17. I want to look at verse number six. I'm going to take you through some of these verses and see where the Holy Spirit's going to, going to lead us today. In verse number six, uh, Jesus is, is praying. And in John chapter 17, verses one all the way to the end, Jesus prays first for himself. Two, he prays for the disciples. And three, he prays for all of those who are going to believe uh, in what the disciples are teaching and follow uh, himself. In verse number six, it says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. He's talking about the disciples. Verse seven, 
Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. Verse 8. For I gave them the words you gave to me, and they accepted them. We've done the same thing. We've, we've believed in the word that's been taught us. That's why we're believers today. They knew with certainty that they came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Verse 9. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Many people take this text, verse number 9, where Jesus says, I pray for them, I'm not praying for the world. And some people believe that we're not supposed to pray for the world. What Jesus was saying is that right now, I am praying for the disciples. We do pray for the world that there will be peace. We do pray for the world that there would be reconciliation. But right now, he's praying for the disciples because he knew that he was going to leave and the disciples were going to be there without him physically being there. In verse number 10, Jesus said, all I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. In the midst of all that's going on in our country, in the midst of all the discussions we have with people who are different from us, how can the glory of Christ come through your discussions? How can the glory of Christ come through all your interactions even when, you believe, um, even when you disagree with somebody, how can the glory of God still move and reign through my life? We need to learn how the glory of Christ can come through us. In verse number 11, one of the key verses, verse number 11, it reads, I will remain in the world no longer. Something very funny, I, I, just, I just saw this. A few minutes ago, I had asked you to open your Bibles, and I didn't hear a lot of pages. It's on the screen. <laughs> Verse number 11, it's on the screen. <laughs> Jesus first says, I will remain in the world no longer. Jesus was getting ready to go. But watch this. But this still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, Protect them by the power of your name. There is authority in the name of Jesus. Have you ever been in a situation where the only thing that you could do is just call on the name of Jesus? He, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you, Father. Protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one even if I do not understand you and we're having a difficult time in our conversation, I'm calling on the name of Jesus to give me revelation. God, help me to understand so that we can become one. We cannot allow what's going on in our country to cause the body of Christ to fragment, to polarize, to stop talking to each other. That's what the world wants. Verse number 12, while I was with them, I protected them and I kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. In verse number 13, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy in them. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm hurt, I'm struggling with all that's going on in our country, but you know what? 
I still, in the midst of all of that, have the joy of Christ in my life. As I look at some of the pain that people are going through, I'm still excited because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it's in that joy, it's in that relationship with Jesus Christ that I'm going to learn how to work things through. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we are not going to be fragmented and we are not going to split. We are going to be one. People are watching the church and they're waiting for us to fight and bicker with each other over politics and the racial divide that is in our country. I say no to the enemy's plan. No. John 10, 10, I love it. It says, the thief comes except to steal, you know it, to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have and have it more abundantly. I want an abundant life. So in that abundancy, when I'm having these tough discussions that the joy of the Lord the, I, I can call on the name of Jesus. I can, I can trust the Lord for the outcome of discussions even when you're wrong and I'm wrong. <laughs> People are watching. The thief comes to steal. Then in verse number 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. It's amazing that it's the world that wants the Christians out of here. The world doesn't want us quoting out of the scripture. They want the Bible gone. Because if they can get rid of the Bible, then they can just do whatever they want to do. So let's be very careful that we not allow the world to cause us to go in different directions because we misunderstand each other. We must learn how to love each other and remain united as the world is going through what it's going through because God is going to use us to bring some clarity, amen, somebody, and to bring some direction to our country. Yes, he's going to use the church of Jesus Christ. They are not of the world any more than I am of the world, verse 14. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, I had my first heart attack in 1995. Then I had a second heart attack. Then I had an angina attack. Then the doctors were just looking at me and said, just go to the hospital, something's happening to you. <laughs> doctors just look at me, just go, just go. But you know what? God has kept me here for a reason. Yes, yes. And you know what? You know what? I don't know what's going on in your life, what's going on with your family or in your church fellowship, but God has also kept you. And there's work that God wants us to do. Grace, there's work that God wants us to do. I did not take them out of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. We cannot escape what is going on in our country. We have to learn how to go through this. I said, we have to learn how to go through this. And in our church, on Friday nights, we have our prayer meetings at 7 p.m. on Friday nights. 
And at 5 p.m., we go to a place called Caldman Park in Dorchester. We have a wonderful setup. It's a big sign. It says prayer station. We set up the sign. We set up the table, put the tracks on. By the time we're through putting the tracks on, people are stopping in their cars in Dorchester, and they're getting off of the bus, and they're coming over and saying, would you pray with me? Powerful. And there's a story of a young lady that I... I, I sat with her for about 45 minutes and I just listened to her talk about her life. Uh, a couple times I, I nodded because I was tired, but I, I, knew, I, I knew I had to listen. <laughs> a couple of her friends walked by her and they went to shake her hands. She says, I told you, I don't shake anybody's hands. I don't shake hands. And so when she was still talking with me, she got up. And she looked at me after 45 minutes and she extended her hand to me. And she shook my hand. I said, I thought you said you don't shake people's hands. She said, you're different. That's what the world's looking for. And I will say, I will say, before she shook my hand, she went into her pocket and I thought she was gonna pull out a blade Seriously, and I had to say to myself, if you flinch or if you show any real sign of weakness that you don't trust the God that's had you here for 45 minutes, you're going to lose this opportunity. And thank God when she pulled the hand out of her pocket, it wasn't the knife, it was her hand to shake mine. We never know when we enter into discussions with people in the midst of all the craziness that's going on in our country what God is going to do when he puts you in that person's space. God wants to use the church. I'm going to say that again. God wants to use the church. So as I get ready to, to, to wind this down, we can't escape. In verse number 16, it reads, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I am just passing through this world. I'm, I'm on my way to heaven. That's my ultimate place. My destination is heaven. But I also want you to know that while I'm here, God, use me. Use me as a member of the body of Jesus Christ. The world needs to see the church as one community because when the world looks at us and they see that we are different but we're struggling to be one, it then lets them know the only way that we can do this is by the grace of Jesus Christ and the fact that we have a relationship with the living Lord. Say amen to that. Amen. So the final thought is in verse number 17, it says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. God wants to set you apart for himself, for the work of service. Are you ready for what he's about to do? Some of you came to the house of God this morning looking for something and the Holy Spirit is going to meet you right where you're at in a very powerful way. God is going to set some of you apart for the work that God is going to call you to do. And we need to be ready because the world's in trouble, but the body of Christ can make a difference in this society. Are you ready for what God is about to do? I want you to just bow your heads and I'm going to just pray 
with the moments that I have left. And I want you to ask God to just open your heart to what it is that he's going to do through you to touch the heart of somebody else who's struggling, who doesn't understand what's going on, and is in need of your touch. Father, right now, I pray, oh God, that you would help us in the midst of the struggles going on in our cities and in the suburbs. You have placed us where we have been assigned by you. We want your glory to be seen in and through our lives. So Father, we choose whether we're from the city or the suburbs, whatever our ethnic uh, racial groups, Father, we choose to walk together to let the world know that you are alive in us. Father, there are men and women in this congregation today that have been seeking after you. And today, Lord, I pray that you will touch their lives and touch their hearts and open the door for them to be able to see what it is that you're calling them to do. Thank you for the community and all the campuses associated with this Christian community. Now raise them up, oh God. You've designated them in different campuses to be in different parts of New England. You now raise them up to touch those communities with the love of Jesus Christ. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and we all say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.